If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 64 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this Sunday, September 20th, 2020. Let's get things started by, as always, giving our shout out to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network, as well as Grunt Talks MLB. First up, as always, Team Left Jab. They feature Team Left Jab Uncensored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, you name it. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab, guys. And our other shout-out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and, of course, where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also, follow the main man behind the website, Darren, on Twitter at YankeeReport28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jab for helping spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees. Also, don't forget, guys, that you can help spread the word about Yapping Yankees every week as well. And stay updated on everything having to do with both me and the Yankees by following me on all social media platforms. Follow me on my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at MikeScuds97. What a week it has been for the Yankees, for the love of God, guys. Ten wins in a row after the victory last night. The team has not lost for days before I even spoke to you last week. If you remember, the winning streak had begun a few days before last week's episode, and they still haven't lost. This coming Wednesday will be two weeks ago since the winning streak began, since that third game against the Blue Jays in Buffalo. Unreal. And by the way, remember my winning streak I mentioned to you last week? How I'd predicted each outcome of every game since the winning streak started? Well, my streak is still going too. And I gotta give myself another pat on the back as I have been on social media too because how the hell can I not? I'm on fire. I've predicted every Yankee victory since this streak began a week and a half ago on that Wednesday in Buffalo. Can I get a round of applause please? Yes, thank you, thank you. You're too much, too much. I hate to sound full of myself, but I deserve it. But I'm predicting another win today, which will not only be their 11th win in a row, but will result in the Yankees officially clinching a playoff berth. Their magic number's down to one. All that needs to happen today is either a Yankee win or a Mariners loss could also do it if the Yankees happen to lose today. And speaking of today's game, it's just getting underway in the next few minutes as I'm recording. It's just before one in the afternoon at the moment. It's around 12.55-ish. So depending on what happens in this one, today. We'll see how much reacting takes place throughout this episode. And I'm feeling pretty good about the game in general because not only do the Red Sox stink, but I'm confident in Davey Garcia's chances today. But if I had to pick an aspect of today's game that I'm feeling negatively about, it's definitely the fact that they're facing a young pitcher by the Red Sox named Tanner Houck, who's only making his second major league start today. And we've discussed it on prior episodes and many times in the past. There is one major thing that the Yankees usually struggle with nearly every time it happens. 
and that is whenever they face a guy they have never seen before. And they've never seen Tanner Houck before because this is only his second major league start. So I would not be surprised, despite how blazing hot this offense has been, if they happen to struggle against Tanner Houck today because it's the first time they're seeing him. But we'll see. I could be wrong. And also, not for nothing, there is kind of the fact that the Yankees are kind of due for a loss against the Red Sox considering they've beaten them in 12 straight head-to-head matchups. So yeah, to say the least, it's been a pretty one-sided rivalry lately. And the Yankees are kind of due for a loss against them, but I'm not going to let that shake my confidence in them winning 11 in a row and their 13th straight against the Red Sox. I believe the 12 in a row they have now ties a franchise record in head-to-head matchups against the Red Sox. If they win today, it would be the most times they ever defeated them in a row, which is obviously awesome. So we'll see what happens when this game gets underway in just a little bit. So a win would be nice today, but I won't be furious if they lose because again, they've won 10 in a row, 12 in a row against the Red Sox. And not only are they due for a loss against the Red Sox, because they've beaten them 12 times in a row head-to-head. But I should also mention that the Yankees are kind of due for a loss in general as well since they've won 10 in a row. So again, if they lose today, it'll stink because it's against Boston, but I'm not going to be outraged over it. But long story short, we're obviously going to get into everything from how blazing hot this team has been even more so throughout this past week as the winning streak has continued to almost everybody coming back from injury. You'll see what I mean by almost and so on as we go through the show today with this week already being the final week of 2020 regular season baseball here in the shortened 60 game season. Next Sunday is it guys game 60. It's crazy. I know but we knew we knew it would breeze right by and that the playoffs would be here before we knew it. Which, by the way, speaking of those playoffs, there was some news that came out about it just this past week. So I figured I'd hammer that out quickly to start the show today here in the intro before we get into how amazing these resurgent Yankees are. So, as I mentioned briefly at the end of last week's episode, the league had already proposed this plan to the Players Union at the end of last week, but the Players Union had not yet voted on this plan at the time. But they did this past Tuesday, five days ago, and the union did end up agreeing to the proposal. So the information I gave last week about where the games would be played if the proposal were to be agreed upon are now confirmed. So again, all teams in the playoffs this postseason will be playing in neutral sites at specific ballparks, and it'll all be basically in a bubble so that they can ensure as best as possible that the playoffs will be seen through to the end. So everyone involved in the playoffs is to go from the stadiums to the hotel and vice versa strictly. No going out and none of that stuff. So they're going to have to bite the bullet with that stuff for maybe three to four weeks if they make it to the World Series. It also depends on how long you last in the playoffs, obviously. Obviously, how long you'll be in the bubble, but they will be doing this in a bubble. So here are some specific dates with the specific rounds throughout this postseason. So the wild card rounds, which will be up first, the best of three series. The first one will be the American League wild card series, and that will start next Tuesday, nine days from now, on September 29th, only two days after the conclusion of the regular season next Sunday. And of course, as we also said, I did say that they would be playing in neutral sites, but that doesn't apply just for the wild card rounds because in the American League and National League for the wild card rounds, the one through four seeds will have 
have home field advantage for all three of the games because the wild card series are best of three. The one through four seeds will have home field advantage against their five through eight seed opponents. So for example, with the Yankees right now, before action gets started today, the Yankees have the four seed over the Twins who are the five seed. And if the season ended last night, they would be facing each other in the American League wild card series today at Yankee Stadium because the Yankees have the higher seed. And all three of those games would be played at Yankee Stadium if three are necessary because obviously it's best of three. And if either team just wins two straight, then that's the end of the series already. But if three were necessary, all three would be played at Yankee Stadium. So the one through four seeds have home field advantage for all of the games in the wild card rounds against their lower seed opponents. Regardless of whether the series goes three games or just goes two, the entire round is played at the stadium of the higher seeded team. And that wild card series for the American League again begins on September 29th and the National League wild card series begins on September 30th. And now, in the DS and the CS, this is where the neutral sites kick in. I said last week that they would be playing between Texas and California, and that's exactly what they will be doing. The American League Division Series rounds will start on October 5th, and of course, at that point, it's like the regular Division Series in the past, best of five, and those games will be played in San Diego and Los Angeles, California. So in San Diego and LA for that. On October 6th, the NLDSs start, and those games will be played in Arlington and Houston, Texas. So all of those games we played in Texas. And then the ALCS will start on October 11th, and those games will be played in San Diego, California, so at Petco Park, of course. And then on October 12th, the NLCS will start, and that'll be played in Arlington, Texas. And again, obviously, in case you don't know, that's where the Rangers play. And then the World Series will begin on October 20th, that's the date for Game 1, and all of those games will be in Arlington, Texas. And the latest that the World Series could go is October 28th. That would be Game 7 if necessary. That would be October 28th for the World Series. That's the last possible day we could get of baseball. And of course, as I said before, because all games will be played there, all of those games will be in Arlington, Texas at the Texas Rangers Home Ballpark, which for those who don't know is Globe Life Park. So those are your dates and locations for the entire post season for when it starts after the season ends after next Sunday, since the last day of the season is next Sunday, and the playoffs will get underway next Tuesday in just nine days. And of course, on next week's episode, when everything should be said and done for the regular season, we'll be going over what the final brackets will be for the playoffs, who's playing who in the wild card series, and all that good stuff, since it'll all be said and done by the time next Sunday's action is wrapped up. As of right now, there are certain races that are still very close, and of course, within the next week, up until the season ends, a lot can happen in those races, and by next week, the seeding could be a lot different for certain teams. So we'll attack that next week when everything is said and done. And also, apparently, for the DS and the CS, for the Division Series and the Championship Series, there are no days off. No off days which certainly will change the way teams do things with their pitching rotations and bullpens for starters, how they manage them and so on. We'll likely see five-man rotations and much more of a premium on starting pitching. And even crazier, another brilliant job by Major League Baseball, and by brilliant, I mean horrendous, but Aaron Boone said they only found out maybe a week and a half ago at this point about there being no days off in those rounds. So another last-minute thing out of baseball to add on to all the other last-minute changes that they've made. Expanding the playoffs literally the day the season started, which Manfred is now saying could be permanent going forward. (laughs) 
we'll revisit that nonsense if it does in fact become permanent in future seasons because I have neither the time nor the temperament to even think about that right now while worrying about the here and now. But as I was saying, you had that last minute announcement of expanded playoffs the day this shortened season started on July 23rd. They announced the use of seven inning double headers just as the season was getting underway. And then the runner on second in extra innings rule shortly thereafter, which like everything else, I cannot stand, but I'm tolerating for just this season. And now this, just two weeks before the playoffs, when this announcement came out on Tuesday, just five days ago, that there aren't any off days in the DS and the CS. So just adding on to everything that baseball has handled so poorly this year, as we know. The things the league has done this year have just been laughably stupid, and they've just been so naive and incompetent in their handling of all of it. We've talked about all of it so much in past episodes, but this will be the case come the postseason in now just about a week and a half. Again, just nine days. It's just absolutely wild. We blinked, and here we are, just like we knew we would be. But you know what'll also be here before we know it since time flies? Next year we'll be here before we know it, 2021, (laughs) thank God, but both spring training and opening day for the 2021 regular season. It'll be here before we know it, guys, time flies. And both of those for 2021, spring training and opening day, the schedules and the dates were also released for both this past Wednesday, four days ago. And we're not going to dive into detail on who the Yankees are playing each day in spring training because, quite frankly, who cares right now? (laughs) There's all the time in the world to do that. But what I will mention quickly before we get into the show today, and keep in mind, these pieces of info, along with all the details surrounding them, are subject to change, especially if things aren't back to some sense of normal enough, comes spring training time, but I did want to mention it quickly. Just a couple of key pieces of information, and these pieces of information are the start dates for spring training and opening day. First up is the first game of spring training in 2021, and the first game for the Yankees in spring training next year will be on February 27th. The Yanks will be taking on the Tigers at George M. Steinbrenner Field that day, so mark your calendars for that, especially if fans are allowed back in, which I hope they are, but if they are and you plan on going to that, mark your calendars. And again, just in case the fans are allowed back in the stadium next year, which again, we hope they are. But for those planning on attending a ton of spring training games and especially a ton of regular season games and so on to make up for not being able to go to anything this year, just a little fun piece of info for you guys as far as another date in spring training. I just saw a lot of people absolutely amped, psyched for this, and rightfully so, of course, because they couldn't see it in live action this year, but the Yankees will be taking on the Astros at George M. Steinbrenner Field on March 2nd in spring training, and granted, it is just a spring training game. Obviously, people are going to want to go and give the Astros what should have come to them this year had the virus not happened, of course, so get your tickets for that if you want to join in there, too, and opening day for the 2021 season will be on April 1st. April 1st. We have an April start next year. It's been a little while since that happened, but all 30 major league teams will kick off their seasons that day. The season will be starting in April next year, and the first game for the Yanks for now is set to be Yanks and Blue Jays at Yankee Stadium, since if you remember, the 2021 regular season schedule is actually already released in its entirety two months ago back in July. So those are your pieces of MLB news to get the show started today, guys. Thought I'd hammer those out right right away before we get to talking about our boys, who, by the way, again, continue to play 
as amazing a product of baseball as you can probably get, especially since they hit what I think is safe to say rock bottom, and now find themselves in second place in the AL East, blowing past the Blue Jays, being five games over them coming into today, therefore also being much higher in playoff seeding. They were in the final spot, the eighth seed, before last Sunday's games were finished. If you remember, I went over that last week. So therefore, after they passed the Blue Jays, they took their fifth spot in the seeding, because if you remember also from last week, that was where the Jays were in the postseason seeding last Sunday. And I also explained all the seeding to you. And then they took the fourth seed from the Minnesota Twins a couple of days ago now. Not to mention getting most of their key stars back from injury. And I say most because, of course, there's still Paxton, Canely, and even Seve, who, as we know, got Tommy John surgery like seven months ago now. Canely also got Tommy John, as we know, so they're both done for the year. We know this. And Pax, well, there was news about him and whether or not we'll be seeing him again in 2020. We'll discuss that later in Yankees news. But excluding those three, the Yankees, as we know, basically got everyone back. So last week's episode about things looking up, well, that, to say the very least, has continued beautifully. And we'll talk about all this good stuff later on in Yankees news and recap. But right now, we've got ourselves another poll question for this week. And this week, it has to do with our man, Gary Sanchez, who you may have noticed has been heating up lately. And of course, we know how much it helps this Yankees team even more when he's playing well, as opposed to what we've seen for most of the season when he's just been brutal. And he also... He also actually made me do something pretty funny for Twitter on Friday night, and I'll explain it really quick before we get into this week's poll segment. Long story short, I basically made a bet on the Twitter timeline on Friday night when the Yankees were losing 4-3 to in the ninth inning with two outs, no one on base, and the Yankees were down in their final out of the game. And I went on Twitter and made a bet saying that if Gary Sanchez ties this game right now, I will take a lap around my block and record myself. Obviously, we know that about 30 seconds later, maybe, Gary Sanchez did end up tying the game. He hit a solo shot, a laser right into the monster seats, straight at those cardboard cutouts. And so after the Yankees won that incredible game on Friday night in extra innings, I went for my run around the block and recorded myself, posted it on Twitter, and everybody loved it. It was really, really funny. But hey, I'm a man of my word. This is the kind of content you're missing out on if you're not following me on social media. So you know what? Here's another shameless social media plug. <laughs> you can follow me on my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero. That's where much of my best content comes from. And also follow me on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97. Shameless plug. So that was a lot of fun. The cons to it were that it was 12:30 a.m. when I did it, as you'd hear in the video if you go check it out if you haven't watched it already. It's still there on Twitter. It's called the Run. And also is kind of chilly out, and if you don't already know this about me, I despise the cold. Despise it. But yeah, it was... (laughs) It was funny. I became the Forrest Gump of Yankees Twitter that night. So go check that out if you missed it. But hey, this intro is long enough. Let's get right into the poll segment for today. And again, it has to do with my man Gary since, hey, he made me run that lap on Friday night and he's also been heating up. So why the heck not? So this week's question is that Gary Sanchez has been heating up recently. And do you see this continuing going forward and even throughout the playoffs? And of course, to give your thoughts below for your shout out on the show today. And the two choices to choose from were either the first one, which says, yes, this will continue, or the second one that says, no, this is just temporary. 
Now, me personally, I have been a huge Gary defender in the past and had also said in past episodes throughout this shortened season because, hey, I mean, it was all true because Gary Sanchez had just been so brutal to watch. But I had said that as of this year, he had basically become undefendable. So while I've been majorly regarded as a Gary defender in the past, this year I also called him out for being as brutal as he was because I also call it as I see it. And he had been brutal. Those are just the facts and I'm being real with you. But obviously it has been extremely nice seeing him heat up lately and it's about time because, again, for most of this season, he had just been dreadful to watch. So do I see this continuing? I see it having a chance of continuing. It's tough to rely on Gary or tell what's going to happen because Gary has been classified as mostly a streaky player throughout his career so far, and that has been true about him. And when he's on, boy is he on. He just goes on an all-out tear, and it's tough to stop him at all. But when he's cold, he is (laughs) North Pole cold. Like, top of Mount Everest cold. So basically, as cold as you can get. That's what I'm trying to say. So it's tough to dictate what's going to happen in the future for Gary. But if he is heating up after all this time, finally, at just the right moment, with the playoffs only being nine days away, I'll go out on a limb and say that, yeah, this will continue. Because he had been playing badly for plenty of time, and I think that warrants a sharp rebound. So yeah, I'll say that it'll continue. And here on Twitter, it seems that the vast majority of you happen to agree with me as well, because 71% of you who voted here on Twitter, which of course is where we're starting off with as always, 71% of you who voted on here said yes, that this will continue. And 29% of you said that no, this is just a temporary heat up for Gary. So let's hear what some of you guys are thinking down in the replies, obviously today because the intro was a bit on the longer side, that's my fault. But hey, there was also a lot to talk about. Blame Major League Baseball for waiting until two weeks before the postseason starts to release playoff information. I'm going to let them take the hit for this one. But since the intro is a bit on the longer side today, we'll probably just read about 10 Twitter replies today, and then we'll read a couple over on Instagram after we're done here on Twitter. So let's hear what you guys are thinking. We'll start off with at Laker 477, and he says, I do see Gary continuing to improve offensively into the postseason. He has looked more relaxed at the plate the last few games, and as a result, has gotten some big hits when needed. Yeah, he absolutely has, especially the one in the ninth inning on Friday night that made me take a lap around my block. (laughs) So yeah, he has definitely looked more relaxed, a bit more dialed in at the plate, and yeah, at times, it has resulted in big hits. Up next is my good friend Tina at MountainGal456, and Tina says, yes, I have faith in Gary. All right, I'm always up for some positivity. I like it. Fair enough, Tina. So the first two we have believing in Gary. Up next is at BobbyTat631, and Bobby says, This will continue as long as he remains patient at the plate. Having Judge and Stanton back in the lineup, I think, has helped, as he might not feel he has to play the hero at the plate. Yeah, that could certainly be a part of it, or perhaps providing more protection for him in the lineup, that could also be a part of it, and that could also be what you're saying, and I would agree with that. But yeah, this is what Laker 477 said before. He seems to be more patient at the plate, he seems to be more relaxed, and as long as he continues on that trend, it's hard to imagine him being nearly as bad as he has been for most of the year. And it's important that he stays on this upward trend, because we all know how much it helps the Yankees when he's playing to the best of his potential. It makes an enormous difference. At Peace Now for Life says, Hi Mike, 
I see Gary continuing his hot hitting and even improving now and through the playoffs. I'm sure he's been putting in the work and has figured it out. Well, yeah, Gary Sanchez has had a lot of advocates for him on the team throughout the season, namely Garrett Cole and a few others, always talking about the hard work that Gary puts in behind the scenes and how determined he was for weeks and weeks and weeks to turn his horrible gameplay around. So yes, according to the Yankees, that is what a lot of them had been saying for a long time, that he was working very hard behind the scenes, and it seems now, if he continues on that trend, that it could have paid off. And obviously with the playoffs just around the corner, when it's most important. But he's got to stay like this because this resurgent empire, as I like to call it, this Yankees team that has just resurged unlike much of anything I've ever seen, this already blazing hot team would only further benefit by Gary Sanchez playing like the Kraken. Up next is at Ziggy89X, and she says, He's streaky, but with a healthy lineup as protection, he will get better pitches to hit. So hopefully it continues. Absolutely. Both things I mentioned before about both him being streaky and also having more protection in that lineup could possibly help as well. Could definitely result in him seeing some better pitches to hit, particularly with guys like Judge and Stanton returning, which of course, as I said earlier, we will talk all about later on just after this poll segment in Yankees news. But yes, I absolutely agree with that. At the goat underscore 12 says, hopefully, yes but he has disappeared in the postseason along with a couple of others. Again, hopefully that changes. Well, yeah, that's also true. There have been plenty of moments that Gary and a few others in the postseason have had when they just were not on the money at all, particularly in a lot of moments just in last year's postseason. So yeah, I do hear that and I take that into account. But hey, this is a new year and especially because it's 2020. Who the heck knows what's going to happen and when? So things, for all we know, can completely change. And hopefully in this case, it's for the better. At Laura underscore Icemont says, yes, I see this continuing. He's getting hot at the right time. Absolutely. That's what I was saying before. Playoffs just nine days away. This is exactly the time you want to start getting on the hot streak. That goes for both Gary and the entire Yankees team as a whole. After the disgraceful baseball they were playing there for three or four weeks, and now they've gone on this remarkable hitting streak just at the right moment with everything just clicking right now. But yeah, for Gary and all aspects of the Yankees, if you want to choose a time to get hot right before the playoffs and hopefully into the playoffs as well is exactly the right time. At Charlie Ricker 24 says, he's been smoking the ball well lately, sometimes right at a fielder for an out. It's a good sign, and I see it continuing for now. But he's streaky, of course. Yep, again, another person mentioning Gary's streaky nature. It's definitely true. He's been a streaky player. But yeah, he has been ripping the ball lately at times. He did it again with that line drive to left in Friday night's game. Which, of course, Friday night's game, he saved that on more than one occasion. But yeah, even that out on that line drive that he made on Friday night. Line drive to left field, right at J.D. Martinez. So yes, that's absolutely true. Some of his outs lately have even been just hardline drives right at somebody. And when that happens, yeah, that could definitely be seen as a good sign of somebody who's slumping possibly coming out of it, making good contact. And yes, again, about Gary's streaky nature, as I said to the last reply who said the same thing, he is 100% a streaky player, but because of how much downtime he's had, because of just how much of this season he has slumped hard... It's time to tear it up for a while. (laughs) It just is. Because honestly, the pendulum just has to naturally swing the other way eventually, if nothing else, right? (laughs) So let's just hope that continues. At AngNYY Yankee Girl says, I think they're heating up at the right time and will continue. Yeah, as we've been saying, definitely at the right time. At NYYFanForever96 says, I hope that it'll continue. (laughs) Well, I hope so too. 
Up next is at Joe Rossi 99 says it continues because no way is he a 115 hitter. If he hits 250 a year, I'd be happy. Yeah, absolutely. I would take 250 as well, especially with like 35 plus home runs in a normal year. And it's so rare that catchers hit for average anyway. So 250 out of Gary. Yeah, that's plenty fine for me out of him. All right. And we're going to finish off here on Twitter with at Papa underscore Cole says he's usually streaky, but I think he has a chance of continuing even at a slightly lessened pace. He seems to have been making lots of hard contact lately, even if it finds a glove. So I think that leaves room for positive regression, even if his plate discipline erodes again. Absolutely. A lot of similar elements and points in your reply as in previous ones especially about the hard contact and him being streaky. Yeah, both true. But yeah, I think the highlight of what we've all been saying, again, is as long as he stays relaxed, stays more patient at the plate, maybe gets a little bit more protection in the lineup from certain names that have returned from injury, sees some better pitches along the way, and just keeps on making solid contact at the plate, again, even if it does find a glove, like you say, then yes, good things should continue to happen for Gary Sanchez. And as I've been saying, we all know how important it would be, even more so for a team that's already playing phenomenal baseball for a week and a half now, it would be even better to have Gary Sanchez playing like the Kraken. It would only be that much better. I think it's safe to say that nobody, nobody likes when Gary Sanchez is an automatic out in that lineup. But in any event, that is all for today with the replies on Twitter. As always, thank you all for the poll interactions on there. I didn't get to all of you, as usual, but I read out a decent amount, and you guys know the drill. Just keep on replying to future polls in the social media segment, and I will get around to you eventually, I promise. (laughs) If that lap around the block on Friday night proved anything at all, it proves to you that I'm a man of my word. So just keep on replying. But before we get to this past week's Yankees news, let's go to Instagram really quick and hear what people had to say on there and how they voted. We'll only read a couple of replies on Instagram, but as for this week's question on Instagram, of course, it's the same one as Twitter. What else would it be? With Gary heating up recently, do you see this continuing going forward and even throughout the playoffs? And just like there was a lot of optimism on Twitter, it seems like optimism prevailed on Instagram as well, big time. You had the same two choices to choose from on Instagram as the Twitter voters did. The first choice was that yes, it will continue. And then the second choice was no, this is just temporary. And out of all of you who voted on Instagram, 67% of you say, yes, it will continue. All right. So again, optimism prevailing. And on the other hand, 33% of you voters say, no, this is just temporary out of Gary. So let's just read a couple of replies here on Instagram, and then we'll move on to some Yankees news. We've got my girlfriend here on Instagram, at Vic Salimo, and she says, I'm being optimistic. When Gary's on, he's on. Well, there's no doubt about that at all. But as I said before, because of his streakiness, when he's off and when he's cold... It's nearly humanly impossible to get much colder. But yeah, he's heated up big time recently, as we know. And again, as we've been saying throughout this segment, this is the perfect time to do it. But yes, just like when he's cold, and there aren't many people out there who could get much colder, but like that's the case when he's cold, that's also the case, on the other hand, when he's hot. As you say, when he's on, he is on. So that could definitely be reason to be optimistic like you're being. So I have to agree, Vic. And let's just finish off here on Instagram with just one more reply. As always, last but not least, is my amazing mother, Julie. 
Natalia Gina Scudero, and she says, This guy heats up from time to time, but it's never anything you can count on. But if we could be hopeful, I always hope for the best. I do hope that this continues for Gary, as it's also happening at the perfect time. Well, as usual, it's tough to disagree with much of anything you say, Mom. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's tough to really count on what's going to happen or predict Gary's future because of just how streaky he is, as you say, and as many others have said too. But if you were to be hopeful, then you look at the fact that when he's on, he's on, like Vic said before this and others said as well, and the fact that, yes, it is happening at the perfect time. So yeah, I agree. So it does seem like that Gary heating up recently, especially because it's at the right time, the perfect time to be doing so, positivity has prevailed this week. And with that being said, that is all for this week's replies for the poll on Twitter and Instagram. As always, I want to thank you guys so, so much for taking time to join in on the fun with this week's Yapping Yankees poll. And as I said earlier, if I didn't get to you, just be sure to keep on commenting on future social media segments here on Yapping Yankees. And because I'm a man of my word, do take my word for it. I will get to you, I promise. But as always, great input this week, guys. And let's keep on hoping for the best, not only for just Gary Sanders, but for the Yankees as a whole. And when it comes to the Yankees in general, we do have some things to talk about, as we always do every week, when it comes to news from them this past week. And much of it, finally, happens to be positive news. Positive news of key stars on the team finally returning from injury. And injuries, as we know, makes up for most of Yankees news. And because basically almost everybody's back from injury, this week's Yankees news happens to be significantly shorter than past week's Yankees news segments. So let's get right to it. Who has returned? What roster moves were made as a result of those returns? But also, what is the latest on James Paxton? Which, as we know from hearing the report earlier in the week, is basically the bad part of Yankees news for this week. So let's get into all of it. We'll jump back to last Sunday first, when news came out after Sunday's game that the Yankees had officially optioned Clark Schmidt back to the alternate site. And with only about a week left in the regular season, this might be the last time we see Clark Schmidt this year, barring any other catastrophic injuries. God forbid, please, no more injuries. Everybody needs to stay healthy now. But while it's sad to see him go, and this is about to be a sick rhyme right here, but while it was sad to see him go, the return of a certain somebody on Tuesday would help lessen the blow. And it would be much sooner than originally anticipated. But he wouldn't be the first to return early, first of all. And second of all, he also had a couple other guys come back along. Alongside him. So while it stunk to see him go, you understand why Clark Schmidt had to go. There had to be some room made on the roster. Oh, wait. Oh, damn. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Michael Chavis just hit a bomb off David Garcia. Oh, my God. And again, I'm reacting to this while I'm taping. I know when you guys are listening to this tonight or whenever you're listening to it throughout the week, you already know what happened. But right now, Michael Chavis, as I'm recording, just hit a nuke off of David Garcia. Wow. That was a bomb. <laughs> Way over the monster. All right, so it's the bottom of the second, and the Red Sox have a 2-0 lead right now. That was a two-run shot. Jackie Bradley Jr. was on base. He just hit a double off the monster, just like Rafael Devers did just last inning in the first. I hate that freaking monster wall. One thing I can guarantee Red Sox fans is I promise you, you don't hate the Yankee Stadium short porch as much as I hate the monster. Regardless of who benefits from it in a certain moment, I cannot stand it. So yeah, the Red Sox are up 2-0. Davey Garcia seems to just be getting into some trouble today. I mean, it's only 2-0 so far, so maybe the offense will have his back. But wow, was that a bomb by Chavis. Wow. All right, where was I? <laughs> Thanks for throwing me off, Chavis. Appreciate it. All right, so I was talking about a certain someone coming back early off the IL on Tuesday alongside two others. 
So three returns on Tuesday. We originally expected two, and those two names were originally Gio Rochella and Jonathan Loisica, who were also vital to the team. Jonathan Loisica for long relief in the bullpen. And even more so, especially, of course, Gio Urshela, who was just invaluable with the bat and the glove over there at third. It goes without saying. We've discussed it so much, it's not even funny. But also, as I said, we got a third return, one that was earlier than we thought it would be. And it was none other than John Carlos Stanton, who was not due back originally, as I said last week, until this weekend. But instead, they activated him days earlier, this past Tuesday, five days ago. So he returned to action with the Yankees on Tuesday night's game against the Blue Jays after the Yankees had off on Monday, and that was his first game he was in since August 8th. He's been gone a while, so John Carlos Stanton has returned, and he's been back since, of course, and it has been awesome having him back, and he's yet another example of the Yankees' timelines for the return just being a bit off, because for a few of the instances now, for a few of the injury returns, the Yankees have said, oh yeah, they could come back now, or it's pushed back even further, or maybe they come back weeks earlier than they originally said, so again, like I said in past episodes, the Yankees have not been great at injury reporting. Stanton was the surprise, as again, he was supposed to come back this weekend against Boston. Austin, alongside Aaron Judge. That was the original report. But hey, Stanton's back earlier, I won't complain. But, as I said previously, there was something they had said, even going back to last week's episode, that did end up coming true. And that was they expected Gio Urshela and Jonathan Luizaga to be reactivated on Tuesday as well, and they were, alongside Giancarlo Stanton. So again, three returns on Tuesday, as Gio and Jonathan Luizaga were also reactivated. And that required the optioning of a couple of more guys to the all alternate site to make room on the roster, because the optioning of Clark Schmidt made room for Giancarlo Stanton, but now for the reactivating of Gio Urshela and Jonathan Loisica off the injured list, you now have to option two more guys to make room for them. And those two guys were Mike Ford, and to the surprise of many at the time, Miguel and Duhar. Now, at the time, I thought Thyra would be the one to go, Thyra Estrada, at that moment. Mike Ford didn't surprise me much, especially because of how good Luke Voigt is doing. It's obvious that first base is his, and if they absolutely need someone to back up, they've used DJ a couple of times and they have their options. Plus, honestly, Mike Ford was having a pretty miserable season whenever he did play. So that didn't surprise me, but Miguel Andujar surprised me a little bit, especially because of the timing of that. And I did assume that he was going to be sent down at some point when everybody was to return, like Gio, Judge, Stanton, Luizaga. I assumed at some point that he would go as well. But I just thought that they would hold up on Andujar until Judge returned, because honestly, at least Miggy had hitting going for him. What did Thyro Estrada have? Thyro had shown plenty of terrible displays of defense as well as horrible at-bats and just terrible hitting. And there was just really nothing that Thyro was bringing to the table at all. At least Miggy had his hitting, and maybe they would keep that around for a few more days, even if it were on the bench, at least until Judge returned. But nevertheless, Miguel Andujar was optioned to the alternate site alongside Mike Ford. And then at that point, I guess I just thought, well, maybe Thyro will be the one to go when Judge comes back then. That's what I said on Twitter. And you know what? I would end up being correct. The one thing I was wrong about, though, was how soon Judge returned. Because just like everybody else who also had different information about Judge. We were under the impression that he was coming back at some point this weekend alongside Giancarlo Stanton, but like Stanton came back early, Judge also returned early to my surprise and everyone else's surprise. And in fact, it happened the very next day. So Thyro Estrada was eventually optioned to the alternate site as well to make room for Judge on the roster. So on Wednesday, Judge officially returned. Again, earlier than expected, but a pleasant surprise nonetheless. And although at this point it seems like he's still just getting back in the swing of things, which is understandable, it's just good to have him back. 
But, and I don't like to end Yankees news on a bad note, that wasn't the only news from Wednesday as far as injuries are concerned with the Yankees. There was also news about the one man left on the injured list that we were all waiting on after the return of Judge because he's basically the last one left. Because upon Judge's return, basically everybody has returned except for this one man at this point. At least out of everybody that we expected to return before this year ended. And this one man remaining, of course, is James Paxton. And if you remember from last week, he had had a setback in his flexor strain injury. He was recovering and throwing. And by the time last week's episode had come around, he had not picked up a baseball for about two or three days. And well, right after the judge news from this last Wednesday, we also got our update on him. And the update was that the Yankees officially transferred him to the 45-day injured list, which is, of course, the long-term injured list, which more or less confirmed what we've been thinking was going to happen, and that is that he's now done for the year. So we will not be seeing James Paxton again in 2020. And we were talking about the chances of seeing him again and what capacity it would be at if he were to return. We were talking about that last week. I think we all knew that it would have been extremely challenging to not only get him back before the season ended, but also have him stretched out enough to put him back in the starting rotation, especially after having a setback. But there was also the question that even for the playoffs, would he be able to be used as a long relief man, maybe in the bullpen? or just in the bullpen at some capacity. But after this news came out about transferring him to the 45-day IL, I'm pretty sure the earliest time he could be reinstated at that point is maybe in the middle towards the end of the playoffs. And that would just be really tough to do. Not a realistic expectation, especially throwing somebody in cold during the postseason on top of that. And yeah, this hurts. Even if Davey Garcia has softened the blow of the loss of James Paxton, which he has definitely done because up to today, Davey Garcia has been incredible. An absolute blessing for the Yankees. And there's an extremely good chance you're going to see him in the postseason starting rotation. Whether it be as a number three, a number four, that remains to be seen. But you'll probably see him in the playoffs, and he has been incredible. But it still stings because we all know what James Paxson is like when he's on. We know what he brings to that mound. And we know what he's like when he's at his best, like in Game 5 of the ALCS that I love to bring up so much because it truly was one of the better games I've seen pitched by a starter in the postseason. And that says a lot. So yeah, this still stings, and we don't know what James Paxton's future is. If he'll even return as a Yankee this winter, I don't want to really give an obituary on James Paxton's career as a Yankee just yet because we don't know his future with the organization. If he is to leave over the winter, then I guess I'll do that then. But this stinks. It really does, especially for James Paxton. I can't imagine how frustrated he is after he still hasn't even picked up a baseball again. I guess if there is a rest of the year to miss, it's this one. But the Yankees are on a solid postseason run right now. You don't want to miss out on that, especially if you're someone considered vital to the rotation. So I'm confident that the Yankees will fill that void, but it still stinks because we know what James Paxton brings to the mound when he's on, and we know how good his stuff can be. And most importantly, we know how good he can be even in the humongous games where the Yankees need a great performance by somebody. He proved that he can be that great on that big of a stage in the ALCS last year. Fans don't forget that sort of a thing. I don't forget that sort of a thing. So, obviously, his future with the Yankees is uncertain, but we will not be seeing James Paxton again in 2020. That much is for certain. So, as far as injuries, guys, and their corresponding roster moves, which, as we know, makes up for about 99.9% of Yankees news, <laughs> that's already it for this week, honestly, because basically everybody except for Pax, who we now know isn't returning, is back from injury. So Yankees news ends on Wednesday this week, which I welcome big time because I'm just thrilled to see everybody back from injury. 
And with Paxton's future now certain, since we're not going to be seeing him for the rest of the year, and everybody else being back from injury, Yankees news now gets significantly shorter. And, as always, with only a week left in the regular season, and then a few weeks of postseason play to follow, everyone, just cross your fingers, just do it with me. Cross your fingers and pray everybody stays healthy for the rest of the way. This team is unstoppable right now, and we don't need any more injuries to throw that off. And speaking of this resurgent team being absolutely unstoppable, let's recap just how unstoppable they've been by recapping this past week's action because these days, the Empire is back. So if we jump back to last Sunday, you will recall that I was taping during that game, and at the end of last week's taping last Sunday, the Yankees and the Orioles were tied at one. Jay Happ had himself another nice start, five innings, only allowing one run and striking out five, so I was very happy to see yet another good start out of Jay Happ, and his streak of good starting would not stop, because as you'll hear later on, when we get to last night's game in Boston, it did continue even more so. So Jay Happ has been on the money, and he was again last Sunday against the Orioles. Again, five innings and just one run, and when he left the game, the game was tied at one. And from the fourth inning up until the eighth inning for the Yankees, there was no scoring in the game. It stayed one-to-one until the end. I was hoping we wouldn't see extra innings again, and thank God we didn't, because in the eighth inning, after questioning why he had the day off, Glaber Torres came in to pinch hit in the eighth inning and would drive in the go-ahead two runs on a double. A go-ahead two-run double for Glasses Glaber again. He strikes again. Glasses Glaber. He put the Yankees ahead 3-1, to one, and the Yankees would end up winning by that score in the very next inning in the top of the ninth, after Aroldis Chapman closed out the game for what was, at the time, his second save of the year. So the Yankees' winning streak continued at that point, and the Yankees swept the Orioles out of New York. A huge sweep for the Yankees, exactly what they needed, both to put the Orioles way behind them and to catch up to the Blue Jays, who they were only a half a game behind heading into their series that would start two days later on Tuesday. And start on Tuesday, it did, after the Yankees had an off day on Monday. And this three-game series against the Blue Jays, you obviously remember from watching it, but if I had to come up with an expression to describe what the three-game set against the Blue Jays at Yankee Stadium this past week was like, it was probably best described as first-degree murder. I mean, you probably watched it. You don't need me to tell you. But if you had never witnessed first-degree murder before that three-game set against Toronto, then you sure did by the time it was over. Because the onslaught started right away in the first game on Tuesday, and then continued all the way through to the end of the series. And when it was all said and done, after the three games were over, the Yankees scored 43 runs. They hit 19 home runs in three games, which is an MLB record, and continued this murderous resurgence unlike much of anything that we've ever seen before, especially out of a team that looked as dead as the Yankees did for three-plus weeks. 20 runs in the first game, 13 in the second, and 10 in the third. Absolute murder. The Yankees not only took second place from the Blue Jays and not only made a statement, but they straight up embarrassed them, and it was just beautiful to watch. The offense could not have done better if they tried, and it was also backed up by amazing starting pitching, and for the most part, great bullpen work as well. 
I say for the most part, because a couple of guys at the back end of the pen when the Yankees had monster leads in the ninth inning started to choke a little bit, which really is embarrassing when you have as big of a lead as they had in certain situations in these games. Like Michael King, although I'm sure he'll be fine, struggling in the ninth inning of the first game when the Yankees were up by 17 runs. But let's get into all of it. We'll start on Tuesday, which again was the first game of the series that the Yankees faced the Blue Jays at Yankee Stadium and would start the absolute onslaught of the Blue Jays at the hands of the Yankees. And on Tuesday, Davey Garcia took the mound to start the game. He had himself a fantastic start, another very nice start for the young man. Seven innings, only three runs allowed, striking out six. And plus, as a starting pitcher, it must always help when you look at your offense just absolutely carpet bombing the other team's pitching. Because really, there's no expression in the English language to describe how relentless this offense was, not only on this night, but throughout the entire series. But yes, especially on Tuesday night. (laughs) So, Garcia not only had himself a very nice start yet again, but this offense was just off the charts. And believe it or not, the ones to score first were actually the Blue Jays in the top of the second when Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit a solo shot off Davey Garcia to make it one nothing Jays. And then after that, the murder started. Right away in the bottom of the second, Breck Gardner hit an RBI single to tie the game at one. Then Tyler Wade, and when he's getting in on it, then you know something's happening. Tyler Wade hit an RBI single to make it 2-1. to one. DJ LeMayhew hit an RBI single to make it 3-1. to one. Then Luke Voigt continued his onslaught in his campaign to at least be considered for the MVP this year. He hit a three-run homer to make it 6-1. Honestly, both he and DJ can very well be considered because this team isn't anywhere close to where they are now without either of those guys. And you could say the same about Clint Frazier, too. But between what Voigt has done and DJ leading in as many categories offensively as he is, is, either of those guys could easily be considered in the conversation. Then right after him, Aaron Hicks hit a solo shot to make it 7-1. So seven runs in the second inning, and they weren't done yet. Right away in the next inning, in the bottom of the third, Gary Sanchez drove in a run by getting hit by a pitch. Same thing for Tyler Wade. They each drove in one to make it eight and then nine to one. And then DJ LeMahieu with a bases clearing three run double to make it 12 to one Yankees. Again, it's only in the third inning. So right away, Davey Garcia is padded with a very comfortable lead. In the top of the fourth, this was the last bit of damage Davey Garcia would surrender to the Blue Jays. Lord Escorial Jr. hit a two run shot to make it 12 to three Yankees. And then the Yankees right after that made them pay for it yet again. In the bottom of the fourth, Gary Sanchez getting into it, a three-run shot to make it 15-3, then Luke Voigt continuing his onslaught offensively, RBI single to make it 16-3, and then in the bottom of the sixth later on, Luke Voigt would homer again for his 18th of the year, 17-3 on that solo shot. And then in the bottom of the seventh, the Yankees were still not done. Clint Frazier adds on two more with a two-run shot to make it 19-3, and then in the bottom of the eighth, with position player Santiago Espinal on the mound for the Blue Jays, DJ LeMayhew comes up, and at this point, to put it mildly, adds insult to injury. A solo shot to left field to make it 20-3. And as I said earlier, Michael King had some trouble in the top of the ninth, which is kind of embarrassing. I'm not really go nuts over it because they were up by 17 runs, and plus I'm sure Michael King will be fine, but he really struggled and gave up three runs by the time that was all said and done when they were up by 17 runs in the top of the ninth. So after giving up those three runs, the Yankees would seal the deal finally and win 20-6. to Again, 
just straight up murder. Luke Voigt, foot stuff and all, continuing to just blow everybody away, murdering baseballs left and right while hobbling around the bases. Three for five. DJ LeMayhew, who should also honestly be considered in the MVP discussion alongside his chase for the batting title in the American League. I'm going to keep saying that because it's true. He deserves to be in on that discussion. He went four for six. Gio Urshela quietly went three for four that night, and obviously on Tuesday, that was his first night off the IL. Clint Frazier just continuing to be great. He went two for four. Gary Sanchez joining in on the mix with a three-run shot. Just incredible. And of course, the Blue Jays would try to bounce back the next night on Wednesday, and boy, would they not. Because not only did the offense come out and commit murder again, but they also did so behind what was another great start by Garrett Cole, who took a no-hitter into the sixth inning and really just did great. Shame on all you people who gave up on Garrett Cole after like eight lousy starts, and only maybe two of those being not so great. How you could give up on a guy like that after eight little starts is beyond me. Because he, again, continued to shut people up in this one. He went seven innings, only allowed one run, struck out eight, and he, again, just did a terrific job. As did the offense, yet again, who got to work right away in the bottom of the first with DJ leading things off instantly with a solo shot to put the Yankees up one to nothing to start the game offensively, and then began the night that nobody saw coming for a certain somebody named Kyle Higashioka who throughout most of his time in the big leagues, honestly, was never regarded as a good hitter whatsoever, and certainly hadn't showcased much pop in his bat at all. Well, that changed on Wednesday, because he hit his first of three home runs that night in the bottom of the third, a two-run shot to make it 3-0 Yankees, and then Clint Frazier in the bottom of the fourth would make it 4-0 with a solo shot of his own, and then DJ LeMahieu again, his second home run of the night, a two-run shot made it 6-0 Yankees, and then in the bottom of the fifth, Clint Frazier again, this time with an RBI single, driving in Aaron Hicks to make it 7-0 Yankees. In the top of the sixth, the Blue Jays would get their only run off of a wild pitch by Garrett Cole. That made it 7-1. But then in the bottom of the sixth, the Yankees offense continued to pile on. With his second home run of the night, Kyle Higashioka hits a solo shot to make it 8-1 in the bottom of the sixth. And then right after that, Luke Voigt with his 19th of the year, a three-run shot driving in DJ. And Hicks to make it 11 to 1, and then to cap off the scoring on the night for the Yankees with his third home run of the night in the bottom of the seventh, to the shock of many, including myself, Kyle Higashioka. Two-run shot to make it 13-1 to Yankees, and then after getting into a little bit of trouble in the ninth inning himself, Nick Nelson, who as we've said in the past has just not been very good this year at all out of the pen, gave up a solo shot to Joe Panic to make it 13-2, and that would be the score that the Yankees win by. But again, the offense... DJ LeMahieu, three for four with two home runs. And that was also the night that Judge came back. He unfortunately went 0 for four with three strikeouts. Again, it seems like up to this point, he's just getting back into the swing of things, pun intended. But I'm willing to be patient with Judge for now, of course. He's been out for a while. Luke Voigt with his 19th home run of the year. Clint Frazier, two for three. Most notably, Kyle Higashioka with three home runs. And of course, behind it all was another terrific start by Garrett Cole. So with Tuesday's win, the Yankees jumped a half a game ahead of Toronto since going into Tuesday's game, they were a half a game behind Toronto. They jumped a half a game ahead of them, and then with the Wednesday night victory, they jumped a game and a half ahead of them. And they would try to jump two and a half ahead of them with a victory on Thursday, as well as a sweep for their eighth victory in a row. 
and the Yankees would do just that. Behind a seven-inning and three-run outing by Masahiro Tanaka, the Yankees would win the next night 10-7. It was going to be much uglier if not for a ninth-inning rally by the Blue Jays. They made it a little interesting there at the end. But up until that point, the Yankees still piled it on big time again. Behind a solid start by Masahiro Tanaka, seven innings, only three runs allowed, and striking out five. And the Yankees again would get started right away offensively in the bottom of the first. This would be Giancarlo Stanton's second game back because he had off the night before on Wednesday when Judge returned. But Stanton bashed an RBI single to right field to drive in the first run of the game as DJ came home to score, made it 1-0 right away in the bottom of the first. And then Glaber Torres drove home a run after grounding into a double play to make it 2-0. But then in the top of the third, the Blue Jays actually had a bit of an answer for that off of Tanaka. Lourdes Scoriel Jr. hit a solo shot to make it 2-1 off Masahiro Tanaka, and then Bo Bichette hit an RBI single to make it 2-2, so it was tied up. But then after that, in the bottom of the fourth... The Yankees said, how dare you do that and try to come back. Not only did the Yankees make them pay for it, but they made them pay for it by hitting five home runs in one inning. Gary Sanchez kicked off that historic bottom of the fourth inning with an RBI double to make it 3-2 Yankees, and then came the home runs. Two-run shot by Brett Gardner after that to make it 5-2. DJ LeMayhew made it 6-2 with a solo shot of his own after that, immediately followed by Luke Voigt with his 20th of the year, still league-leading 20th of the year, to make it 7-2. John Carlos Stanton made it 8-2 with a solo shot after that. And then right after Stanton did that, Glaber Torres went deep to left center, a solo shot of his own to make it 9-2. So back-to-back-to-back for Gardner, LeMayhew, and Voigt. And then Hicks got out after that. And then Stanton and Glaber Torres went back to back after that to complete the five historic home runs in one inning. So yeah, the Yankees didn't just make them pay for trying to come back into the game, but they made them pay in historic fashion. At that point in the top of the fifth, Lord Escorial Jr. would go deep again off Tanaka, a solo shot, making it 9-3 to Yankees. And then in the bottom of the seventh, the Yankees would just get the run right back on a solo shot by Gary Sanchez, another home run for him to make it 10-3. to And then as I said before, with the Blue Jays making it interesting in the top of the ninth, Jonathan Holder, who had been doing very well up to this point, believe it or not, as we've spoken about, he just didn't have it at all in just a third of an inning, giving up four runs and forcing Chapman to come in to get two outs and earn his his third save of the year, and the final score that night would be 10-7 Yankees. So again, the winning streak extended to eight after this remarkable sweep, and the Yankees continued this resurgence unlike any resurgence we could have ever expected, with everybody back from injury at this point too. So the Yankees sweep the Blue Jays, take second place in the American League East at this point, and take their place in the postseason seeding. And then later, as I said, would even take the twin spot in the fourth seed. And then came this weekend series in Boston. And I just realized the Red Sox took a 3-0 lead. (laughs) Jackie Bradley just hit an RBI single. Davey Garcia's not having an easy time today. I mean, listen, he's been doing so great. I mean, he was bound to have... I don't want to say a bad start because it's only three runs right now, but a not-so-great start. Let's leave it at that right now. And by the way, I also noticed this before after the home run by Chavis earlier. But I noticed the pitching sequence, they gave Chavis three breaking balls in a row, even after the two prior ones really weren't good ones. You give him a third in a row and you expect him not to crush it? And now, yeah, it just seems like the Red Sox offense just has Davies' number today. 
They just have his number. Well, I hope he gets out of this without giving up much more damage because this Yankee offense so far, and I don't want to say anything because it's only three innings in, but as I expected, they're doing nothing off Halk because as I said, this just seems to be a thing with the Yankee offense, with the Yankees overall for years and years now. Anytime they just see a brand new kid that they've never seen before, they just have no answers for them. But I had hoped that maybe they would improve with that today. And yes, as I said before, I'm not going to be outraged if the Yankees lose this game. It would stink because it's the Red Sox, but they're due to lose eventually. They've won 10 in a row, and they've won 12 in a row against the Red Sox. And I'm not going to let one loss spoil everything incredible that's happened throughout the last week and a half. But I do hope they win this game regardless. A sweep would be nice. But anyway, speaking of this series, then after the Thursday game that I just recapped came the series this weekend in Boston. And Friday night would be remarkable. Not just because of the run I told you about earlier that I had to go on at 12.30 a.m. that night, but because the Yankees won the game in incredible fashion after it seemed like this was going to be the game to break the winning streak because the Yankees seemed like they were very very quiet up until around the seventh inning and then at the end they woke up and came back and won Jordan Montgomery started this game he only went four and two-thirds allowed four runs and he did strike out seven guys so that's good but he allowed base runners to just run laps around him he paid no attention to guys on base and that would end up being a theme for the entire night but mostly when Jordan Montgomery was in the game but other than the seven strikeouts it just really wasn't a pretty night for him in the bottom of the fourth the Red Sox jumped out in front three to nothing on a three-run shot by Christian Arroyo who would end up driving in four of the five Boston runs from that night so he did much of the offensive work for Boston and then in the bottom of the fifth Christian Vasquez would hit an RBI double to make it four nothing Red Sox and then by the time as I said before the seventh inning came around the Yankees hadn't gotten on the board yet didn't really seem like any rally was being worked up but then in the top of the seventh Gary Sanchez who would continue to heat up got things going for the offense he hit a ground rule double to right field over that small wall driving in two and making it four to two Red Sox and then Giancarlo Stanton would make things interesting in the top of the eighth after driving in Aaron Judge on an RBI double of his own making it four to three Red Sox and then down to their final out in the top of the ninth two outs no one on base Yankees down four to three winning streak on the line again this would be the shot that made me go on my 12:30 run Gary Sanchez would continue his hot ways and hit a game tying solo shot at the very end to tie the game at four so the Yankees climbed back from down four nothing in the seventh inning to now tie the game at four so the game went into extras so now that runner on second rule is enforced of course neither team would score in their halves of the 10th inning and then the 11th inning came around and Luke Voigt would drive in Mike Talkman, who started the inning on second because of the runner on second rule. He would drive in Mike Talkman with an RBI single to make it 5-4 Yankees. In the bottom of the 11th, Jonathan Lewisica would allow the Red Sox to score again to retie it at 5 on a Christian Arroyo RBI single. So again, Christian Arroyo making a difference on offense. The game was retied at 5. In the top of the 12th, DJ LeMahieu, because you can always count on DJ, hits an RBI double down the right field line to drive in the go-ahead run yet again. That would be Aaron Hicks that came home to score, and he would give the Yankees the lead back 6-5. to five. And in the bottom of the 12th, despite his struggling in the bottom of the 11th, with Green, Ottavino, Britton, and Chapman having already been used earlier, 
Jonathan Lewisaga comes back out and gets the job done, sealing the deal for the Yankees and giving them an incredible 6-5 win in 12 innings in the first game in Boston. The winning streak extended to nine games in a row, and everything continues to be great in the world of the Yankees. Then Saturday's game came around, and it was time for Jay Happ to give some length, since again, so many arms were used out of the bullpen the night before in the extra inning victory, because as I mentioned before, not only were the big four used, but Luis Sessa was also used before them, and then obviously Luizaga finished out the game after that, so the Yankees could have used some length out of Hap, and they got it. Jay Hap with another great start. 113 pitches inside of eight shutout innings of work, striking out nine. And in his last six starts, now has just a 194 ERA. And after last night's game, Hap also lowered his overall ERA to just 325. So Jay Happ is making a name for himself. Since having his spot skipped in the rotation, basically the only rough start he had was that day at City Field in that start against the Mets on that Thursday in that makeup game. That's it. So in his last six starts, again, just a 194 ERA for Jay Happ. 2020, guys. 2020. How huge would a dominant Jay Happ be this year in the playoffs? My God. <laughs> Who would have thought? Anyway, Jay Happ, another great start, and on offense, well, the offense did their job again because the Yankees ended up winning 8 to nothing. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, a second time. Wow. Wow. In today's game, Michael Chavis again off Davey Garcia. Wow, this is going to destroy Davey's ERA. Damn, he pimped another one off him. Michael Chavis just hit another bomb off Davey, a three-run shot. Oh, my goodness. Talk about having a guy's number. Wow, six runs off of Davey. Wow, what a bad day for the kid. Listen, as I said before, he was bound for one eventually, but that's really going to wreck his ERA. It's got to be somewhere in the mid to upper fours now. He came into this game with a ZRA in the lower threes. Yikes. Wow, that was a bomb. So it's 6 nothing Red Sox in this one. Uh, the streak is looking like it's going to end today. Both the Yankees winning streak and my prediction streak. <laughs> uh, they're both at 10. I mean, hey, as I said before, they're both bound to end eventually. Maybe the offense can miraculously come back in this one, but not with the way they're hitting off Halk right now. So 6 nothing Red Sox in this one. All right, I'm not too upset. I hope Davey Garcia bounces back next time. Everyone's due for a really bad day. This is his. And maybe next time out, which will probably be his last start of this regular season, you have to assume. Hopefully he bounces back then. So again, 6 nothing Red Sox in today's game here on Sunday. And you guys already know the outcome because you're listening to this tonight or at some point throughout the week. And this game isn't over yet as of now. It's still only the third inning. Regardless, you're listening to this in the future way beyond at the time I'm recording right now as I'm watching this game. But right now, it's starting to look pretty bad for the Yankees. Looks like they're going to lose this one. They'll still take the series, but it looks like they're going to lose this one. And at that point, to clinch a playoff berth, again, as I said earlier, the magic number's at one. The Mariners are going to have to lose later on today to the Padres, which I have faith in happening. So hopefully, at the end of the day today, you guys will know in the future whether or not it happens when you're listening to this later. Later. But even if it has to happen as a result of a Mariners loss, hopefully the Yankees can still clinch the postseason tonight. And again, for that to happen tonight, the Mariners have to lose to the Padres later. Otherwise, the Yankees will have to wait at least another night. But about yesterday's game, yes, absolutely remarkable start by Jay Happ again, and the offense more than did its job, winning 8 to nothing. And they wouldn't waste any time yet again. In the top of the first, Gio Rochella, sack fly, made it 1-0 Yankees. And then right after that, Clint Frazier, RBI single, made it 2-0 Yankees. 
Then in the top of the fourth, Kyle Higashioka would again contribute, not with a home run this time, but hey, it's something. RBI single made it 3-0 Yankees, and then Tyler Wade grounded into a force out. That drove home a run, Mike Talkman to be specific, and it made it 4-0 Yankees. Then the Yankees would continue on in the top of the fifth, starting with Luke Voigt, <laughs> yet again. RBI single made it 5-0, driving home Brett Gardner, and then Clint Frazier right after that two-run shot to make it 7-0 as Clint just continues to rake. We love 2020 Clint Frazier. And then the Yankees would score their final run on the night in the top of the ninth on a sacrifice fly by Gio, his second sacrifice fly of the night, driving home Brett Gardner to make it 8-0, and that was the score the Yankees would win by again, behind another dominant night on offense and an even more remarkable start by J-Hap. So that extended the winning streak to 10, that very same winning streak that seems to be in a great deal of jeopardy right now today, this afternoon. Which again, if they lose, I'm not going to be outraged. They were bound to lose eventually. They were bound to lose eventually and have the winning streak snapped. I was bound to have my prediction streak snapped. And also, Davey Garcia was due for a bad start. So you know what? Just seems like a day that the Yankees were due for. So now with the Yankees down 6 to nothing in this Sunday game, Davey Garcia having himself a rough start in the offense, not doing anything off of Tanner Houck so far. They don't even have a hit off him yet. We are now fully caught up. But going forward, as I mentioned... This week is the final week of regular season action in 2020. So before we end today, let's take a quick look at what's ahead for the Yankees in their final week of action in 2020 regular season baseball. For the next four days after they make their way out of Boston today, they will be playing the Toronto Blue Jays for the final four times of this season, their final four of the total of 10 games they have against them this year. They'll be back in Buffalo for these four games. The first one is right away tomorrow. So right after the Yankees are done in Boston, they'll be heading right over to Buffalo. The first game tomorrow is at 6.37 p.m. Eastern. Game two on Tuesday is also at 6.37 p.m. Eastern with Garrett Cole on the mound for the Yankees. On Wednesday, Tanaka will take the mound in the third game, which is also at 6.37 p.m. Eastern. And on Thursday also 6.37 p.m. Eastern to wrap up the series, and that'll be the last time the Yankees see the Blue Jays, at least for now, unless they run into them later in the playoffs. And then comes the final three games of this shortened season, guys. Over the weekend, starting on Friday for a weekend series, the Yankees will host the Miami Marlins at Yankee Stadium, starting on Friday and going through to Sunday. On Friday, the game will be at 7.05 p.m. Eastern. On Saturday, it'll be at 1.05 p.m. Eastern, and on Sunday, the next time we talk on September 27th for episode 65 of Yapping Yankees. Game 60 of this shortened 60-game season will be at 3.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as will all the games next Sunday. Every game around baseball will start anywhere from 3.05 to 3.15 p.m. Eastern, so around 3 o'clock, all the games will start next Sunday, and then the season will be over for the Wild Card Series to start two days later on the 29th. So guys, that's what's ahead. The next time I talk to you next Sunday, I'll probably be recording while Game 60 is happening against the Marlins. We knew this season would fly right by, but it's still incredible how fast it ended up going nonetheless. And regardless of what happens in this afternoon's game, even if the Yankees end up losing their first game in over a week and a half, 
Don't kid yourself. The evil empire is back, baby. This team is healthy. This team is blazing hot. And as we've said, it couldn't have happened at a better time. But as for now, that is all for episode 64 of Yapping Yankees today. What an episode it was. One last shout out to Team Left Jab and Grunt Talks MLB. Team Left Jab features Team Left Jab Uncensored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, you name it guys. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. And our other shout out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also, follow the man behind the website, Darren, on Twitter at YankeeReport28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jab for helping spread the word every week about yapping Yankees. And also be sure to follow me on all social medias, guys, so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me personally, along with the Yankees and yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram polls every Saturday. You can follow me on Facebook at my fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97. And guys, I'd also really appreciate it if you took the time to hit that subscribe button on the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel and also subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And while you're at it, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you've missed. Episodes 34 up to this one, episode 64, are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Yapping Yankees is available on all four of those platforms, guys, so do help spread the word and tell everybody you know to listen to Yapping Yankees. Once again, Thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I'll talk to you next Sunday, September 27th, the final day of the 2020 regular season, when I come at you with episode 65 of Yapping Yankees. Until then, you know the deal. Hang in there, be patient, please stay safe out there, and look out for your loved ones, and enjoy this final week of 2020 regular season baseball. Take care. Take care.